Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. What I'm talking about will reverse mass extinction and deforestation. It'll solve world hunger, cancer, diabetes, and heart disease trends. All of it, this is it. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior. Thank you once again for lending me your ears and the only non-renewable thing that you have, and that is your time. I can hardly believe that we are wrapping another year, but here we are. It's the end of 2021. I hope that you have spent a fair amount of time thinking about the year, reflecting on it, and about the year to come. There's a lot more to be done, Solar Warrior. And today, we're going to get into how to get your mind right and some ways to think about getting your goals accomplished in 2022. If you're new to Suncast, thank you. I believe that you're going to get a ton of value from this and every episode. I really want to appreciate you for giving us a chance to earn your attention. Today's entrepreneur has quite a journey, and we're going to dive in to what he calls regenerative capitalism. Mr. Jim Gale is the founder of Food Forest Abundance. Yes, we're going to talk about food. We're going to talk about off-grid living and In part, we're going to talk about renewable energy. If you are listening to this episode as your first Suncast episode, we typically talk about the clean energy revolution. Today, we're going to get a little more esoteric about how to accomplish your goals and how putting your goals in writing and then into action can lead to an abundant life and how we believe that part of an abundant life is having control over the freedom to generate your own power, grow your own food and accomplish your dreams. I'm excited for the conversation that you get to experience today. I hope that you are tantalized and intrigued. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to this show as that's going to ensure that you won't miss on our twice weekly content just like this. I'd also like to ask that if you have listened to Suncast and you enjoy it, Help us out with a rating and a review. You can do that super easy by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast. That is a new little tool I'm trying out. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast and leave your enthusiastic review right there for all to see. That is one way you can help further our mission. Of course, you can check out all of the other episodes, 400 plus in our back catalog by going to mysuncast.com or right there in the podcast player you are listening to. I want to offer for those of you who get particularly excited about the opportunity that Jim Gale and Food Forest Abundance present and you want to dig deeper and learn more, perhaps take action for yourself and build a food forest of your own. Well, you can learn more and take the next steps by going to mysuncast.com forward slash food forest. That's food forest. Mysuncast.com forward slash food forest. Thanks to Jim and the Food Forest Abundance team for agreeing to put a special page together for our Suncast Solar Warriors, if they are so inclined. For now, I invite you to get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. All right, Solar Warriors, here we are with my friend Jim Gale. I want to give a quick hat tip to our mutual friend, Matthew Britt, our fellow Solar Warrior up in Canada who connected Jim and I. And as I've mentioned before, we're going to talk a bit today about regenerative capitalism, but we're also going to talk about the self-reliance and resiliency movement, the move towards increasingly off-grid living and how we can potentially think about or rethink scaling the kinds of communities that we live in and the kinds of communities that build as a core principle 
this notion of self-reliance and in so doing help those communities flourish and and uh, are looking for their own sense of abundance. Before we get too deep in though, I want to welcome the founder and CEO of Food Forest Abundance, Jim Gale, to the podcast. Welcome, Jim. Oh, thank you, Nico. And I want to thank you for your show, for your podcast, because it is so relevant and important right now that people understand the details of how to achieve an off-grid basically a more self-reliant type of lifestyle. So thank you for doing everything you're doing. You're welcome, my friend. And when Matt Britt calls me and says, you got to meet this person, I usually, in fact, always will get on the phone. And there was no, no exception and no lack of excitement and interest when you and I had our first phone call to really discover, for me, the first time, the idea of a food forest, the ideas around decentralizing food supply. We typically are here talking about broadly the clean energy revolution. So I don't want you to hit skip or or pause thinking, oh, we're not going to talk about that today. We are, but we're going to talk more broadly about the decentralization of everything. There are many different aspects to how the resources that we use and rely on uh, are have been increasingly centralized. And that, that's not necessarily a it's not necessarily a good thing for our society and for us as individuals trying to make wise choices for our bodies, for our families, for our lives. Jim, I'd love to hear a little bit about the person of Jim Gale, how you grew up. When you were a child, maybe you'll mention as well kind of where you grew up, but when you were a child, who was your hero? Who did you look up to the most? Ah, that's so cool. So when I was a child, Ranger Rick w- was my only magazine subscription ever. Now, of course, Ranger Rick is a fictional character, but that was my thing. Tarzan, you know, was my favorite other fictional character. I have always been very attached to very comfortable with frogs in my pocket and, and grabbing snakes and jumping after snapping turtles and more recently taking alligators off of my fishing hook. Wow. Yeah. And on video, which is even more fun now. Right. So that's the that's what I'm all about is how do we connect again with natural solutions to everything going on in our world right now? Did you grow up in, in rural society or were you more in uh, more in a city environment? I grew up in the city of St. Paul, Minnesota. And something kind of relevant, my mom grew up on a farm in Medelia, Minnesota, near Little House in the Prairie, where yeah, was Cottage Grove or some Walnut Grove or whatever that was. And she grew up completely. There was no grid at the time where she grew up. She grew up in a Minnesota winter wow. having an outhouse and no water, no plumbing, no electricity. So I did have some experience on the farm, but it was a pretty neat contrast. But Minnesota's, I'm, I'm in Florida now. Yeah. I, I like the warmth. Quite a big contrast between Minnesota winters and, and Florida winters. Do you remember the nature of, or perhaps some interesting facets of dinner with your family? What was the conversation like around the dinner table when you were a child? Gosh, my dad was a pipe fitter. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And it was very typical, I would say, you know, what did you learn at school mm-hmm. today? And I didn't want to talk about that at all because it was boring. Yeah. And I hated school. In fact, I still to this day cherish what I would determined is my ADD. Nobody's ever diagnosed me, but I cannot pay attention to things that don't engage or capture my interest. And that's why I couldn't listen to teachers in school because what was going on in my head was way more interesting. So we would have a typical conversation at dinner. It was, um, I'd say the normal suburban family life. If I'm not mistaken, you also have a similar passion as I, especially early in life to sport. I was a wrestler in high school. What's your connection with wrestling? Well, wrestling was what taught me so many lessons in life. When I was about nine or 10, I'd been in wrestling for maybe two years. And my coach, Tony Nelson, whose son just won the NCAAs not too long ago uh, as a heavyweight, um, he, he took me aside. He said, Jim, you have abilities, but you don't listen. And that was one of the first lessons that I ever remember in life because I wanted to listen. But that connection, he looked me right in the eye and said that. And from then on, it was amazing what happened to my wrestling career yeah. after I started listening and, and using all my talents. When you think about the life that you lived and the legacy that you want to pass on to your children, how does the discipline of sport or music uh, choose your your hobby? But how does that discipline work its way in for you as a father? How do you think about 
helping them develop the the grit, the stick to necessary to to win a, a championship? Gosh, that, that's the neat, neat question. When we win, we party. When we lose, we ponder. I think that mm. was a Tony Robbins thing. And it's so okay. freaking true. When my biggest losses, like I was rated first in the state my senior year all year long. And I lost in the finals to Jerry Martin, who happened to be born on the exact same day as me. <laughs> I beat him five times in a row. It was our sixth time. So for the next two years, my life, when I thought about wrestling, was a failure. And then those are the times when we learn the most about who we are. And then to bust through those is, is then next level stuff. Yeah, that's so true. We can live in the stories that we tell ourselves, or we can, or we can, we can use them to Tony Robbins point and ponder who we, who we are, who we are becoming, but not getting actually stuck in neither the future nor the past. I think that's been for me, the biggest lesson, certainly in, in my forties as an entrepreneur, but we're going to talk a lot about the, what I consider to be the polymath apparent lifestyle that you've lived. But before we go too deep, I'm curious about two things. When you were young, what kind of achievements did you aspire for to yourself? And how did you target those achievements? And then how did that begin to, how did that change as you get into your twenties and start discovering the realities of life? Oh, that changed radically. In fact, right at 20 years old, previous to that, I had no future thought other than I want to do well in the moment. I want to win. I want to have fun, but I really, I wanted to win everything. And I was hyper competitive. And then my coach, Dr. Gary Rushing told the whole team, he said, write down your goals. And it was a three page document. And I looked at that and I went, Oh my gosh, I threw it on my desk and I didn't want anything to do with it. I went and got really drunk. It was a Friday night, Saturday. I probably got really drunk too. Sunday came along and I had to finish my goals because they had to be handed in the next morning. Well, as I started writing my goals, something very profound happened in my head. And I started seeing a compelling future for myself. And then it got detailed, more detailed, more detailed. By the time I was done, the person that came into the wrestling room Monday was a different person than had left the wrestling room Friday. And when I handed coach my goals, he sat back in his chair and he laughed, uh, smirked. And he said, these goals are kind of lofty, don't you think? I had written, I wanted to be a three-time All-American and national champion in college. And I ended up being a four-time All-American National Champion College because of the goals, because I created a future for myself Mm -hmm. on paper, but most importantly, in my mind. There's a vast difference between writing them down and achieving them. The difference is what happens in the middle and how you conceptualize moving from the paper to the plan. Everyone listening to the show today has had someone tell them, write down your goals if you want to achieve them. I'd like for you to talk first about the power of writing them down, and then second, about the progress requirements. Dreaming the goals in a way that inspires the shit out of you. Like, that's it, right? If you if you can think of any future reality that really makes you feel good, then that's the one for you, mm. right? And, and follow your bliss, as Joseph Campbell said. So the writing it down was just the first step, I guess. But the act in my head of starting to settle into that new identity, that's when everything changes. I love that. The idea of settling into a new identity. Along those lines, I'm very curious. And there was the first part of life where you projected onto the screen of your life, this four-time national champion, all-American wrestler. There's a lot of other life that happened outside of that. But I think for the purposes of this activity, we're going to focus on the goals aspect of it. You went to college, probably if you're anything like me, to be that not class-related thing, that four-time All-American national champion. College was just a venue. It was a place where that could happen. But along those lines, you have become a successful entrepreneur. You have traveled the world. I'm curious, what career path did you not go down but thought that you would? Well, teacher, I have a teaching degree and I did teach in a few places, um, mostly substitute teaching when I was younger. And when I look back on that, there's there's no way I could be in that box because it's not it's the structure that I am not very good at following. My wife and I like to say we live where you where you vacation in many different ways. You've lived where 
others vacation. You've done stints with Maasai. You've explored other cultures. In that wandering period that is many of our 20s, uh, whether we're wandering in our spare time because we have a job we're chained to or wandering in reality because we don't want to be chained to a job, how did the culmination of your 20s lead you to the goals that you decided to seek for the next, for that next decade. I remember our previous conversation, you said that you sort of came back around and at age 29, you sat down and wrote some quite different goals for your life. How did you come about that or come through that process? And and then where did you go from there? Yeah, I love it. Goals are often based in need, right? And I think that when we get past the need stage, but but this is Maslow's hierarchy, you have to start with what do you need next in life? So have the goal to get what you need next, but then always have this more inspiring, compelling goal as kind of the bigger picture thing, right? That At least that's what worked for me. So I was 29. I was living in Surfers Paradise, Australia, and I was working as a bartender on the beach there. But every day I would go to Bond University and I would read Dennis Waitley's Psychology of Winning and Think and Grow Rich. And I read the 10 books and listened to tapes for four months. That's all I did Mm -hmm. during the day. And it was so profound because I started thinking like these people who have changed the world. And I started asking this, this Napoleon Hill's quote, if you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. We've all heard that a million times, but when you really meditate on that and and have that settle into who you can be, that's powerful shit right there. And I believe and conceive and believe that we are going to change the world. There's power in the idea that success leaves clues. There's that's the reason that literature, which is a is a relatively new thing in the in the history of man, right? The ability for someone to write down their ideas and pass them along to next generations for centuries and 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 uh, millennia it was passed along through word of mouth not unlike the fad uh, but really the return to the trend of podcasting and audible listening audible books is returning us to the way that we actually really uh, have grown, have kind of evolved learning but this idea of writing down uh, our wisdom which is also why blogs flourished because any independent writer could could garner an audience has those heralds, I think, of Napoleon Hill as one of them who realized the power of the written word uh, and, and many before him. But I feel over time, Napoleon Hill, Thinking Gourich is one of the books that ma- just magically influenced my life. Um, speaking of which, The Magic of Thinking Big, Dr. Schwartz is another one. But I feel like most people miss the most obvious message that Napoleon Hill wanted to convey to us. And it's right, it's right on the cover think and grow rich. Uh, a lot of folks will read the whole book and they'll, they'll think to themselves like, okay, like the, what am I really supposed to get from this? And what Napoleon Hill wants to convey, at least the truth that I've uh, ascertained is in the very title of the book. If you, whatever you think can become reality, if you want to become rich and rich is defined by many different parameters, it has to first start here. It doesn't start by outside thought, it doesn't start start with listening to this podcast. It starts with what you do in here after you listen to this podcast, after you read that book, after you have that compelling conversation in an airport lobby that changes the way you think about the world. How then at 29 did your life goals center around this idea that you wanted to retire in three years? How did you accomplish that goal? What did that look like in the doing? Because most of us listening are doers. We are, if we're listening, it's because we're wondering if there's one other little thing that we can add to our our thought complex that will help us accelerate the kind of life we want to live, or at least start to live in the kind of life we've always dreamed of. You are an exemplar of one of those folks that early in life was able to capture that magic and distill it into reality. I'd love to glean in your words what it looks like to go from writing a goal down at 29 to more than a billion in sales three years later. When I set an intention, when I set a goal, something that I speak to the world, that goal is to accomplish this. Then the next most important step is to not think, to relax, to breathe, to meditate, which for me simply means feeling my hands, right? Hearing the sound, hearing the birds in the distance, 
instead of the thoughts, like if this is a thought and this is a thought and the thoughts are so they're so close together that there's no space for the download. When I meditate, it opens up my mind and then I get ideas. Mm. And where do they come from? Right. That's the magic. And that's the next thing. So I wrote the goals down and then I just became open to the reality that just it was literally like once I had set the goal, then the universe opened up to make it a reality. I just had to pay attention. Can you give me an example of what that actually looks like? Uh, I feel like someone someone listening is going to be like, oh, bullshit, Jim. Like, thank you for that platitude. What, what did? Give me an yeah. example where you go, oh, wow, okay. I, I remember this idea and now this thing turned into what I wanted to manifest. Yeah. So I go to this bar, Williams Pub, and a friend of mine that knew me from wrestling was there and he said, Jim, come work for my mortgage company. I didn't know what a mortgage was. I, I The word death pledge. I didn't even know what that was at the time or anything about it. But my mom was a realtor and I know I'd heard her say, yes, we're doing this process and this process. So I went to work at his company on commission. Mm-hmm. I worked there for three months or maybe three and a half months. The other thing that goes along with that is the feelings that we have inside of our body. I started noticing that I wasn't feeling comfortable in that environment related to my goals. And so then I started asking new questions. Well, why am I not feeling comfortable here? related to my goals. And then what is the next step related to my goals? And I then moved to another company that could get every loan done. And then within three months, I learned that that company was based in illegalities, right? The, in fact, the owner of that company went and spent six years in jail. I spent three months there before I learned that. Then I went to another company, which was based in integrity. And I learned what I could there. And then I started my own company 11 months later. And so it was always using the tools that source, God, whatever you want to call it, have given us. And the feelings are kind of my gateway into what's next and asking new questions. Are you still trying to rely on Excel spreadsheets for the financial analysis of your solar and energy storage projects? Energy Toolbase is your savior. ETB developer sales and modeling platform helps developers streamline the sales process and close more deals by providing an intuitive project modeling process that precisely calculates utility costs, energy savings, and project economics in a transparent and defensible way. With the industry's only in-house utility rates team constantly tracking and updating their database of more than 70,000 rates, you can ensure the utmost accuracy. And finally, you'll communicate your company's value proposition to your customers with fully customizable proposals and document templates and close more deals. That's why we're here, folks. Go test drive the industry's solar and storage modeling platform of choice. Use the code SUNCAST and get a 30-day extended free trial. EnergyToolbase.com or click on any of the Toolbase logos at MySuncast.com. Hey, as we head into 2022, With what many of us expect to be the largest deployment of solar on the planet, especially here in the United States, there's a question that I hear a lot from operations and maintenance folks and asset managers, and that is, should I be using drones on my large solar sites? How about my commercial sites? Or should I tap into one of these manned aircraft aerial imagery platforms? Next Tuesday's First episode of the year is with my friend Mark Culpepper from Drone Base, and we attempt to answer that very question. So I hope you'll tune in and tune up your skills. Now, back to this last episode of 2021 with Jim Gale. When you were down in Costa Rica, I'd love to know what, what drew you to, to go down there, and then what, what lessons did you take away from that that became sort of the next iteration of how you are seeing productive work or how you're seeing the world, how you want to make an impact. So I went down there because I had sold the mortgage company and I had time and money and I just wanted to experience life. And I love the jungle. Um, what happened there was profound and it was very painful at times. I was there for 12 years and I started a, after doing little developments here and there, I started a golf course community. And the first thing we did was build a fruit tree nursery because I had this vision of the golf course being lined with fruit trees and being like an animal paradise and so on. 
And it was 2008. The economy started slipping and then it completely crashed. And I lost the vast majority of everything I had made in the previous five years. And I had also had my first two daughters. So I was in this period of fear and entrepreneurs have all felt this. If you've been an entrepreneur long enough, like, oh my God, I screwed that up. What am I going to do next? And it kind of feels for a while, like I don't have a path forward. And then in that depth of pain, I discovered plant medicines. Wait, wait, are you mean like psilocybin or ayahuasca? Which, what's, what specifically? Both, but specifically, I went to Southern Costa Rica for a weekend ayahuasca retreat, which included two ceremonies. And it, it was a, ma- <sighs> I can't even think of the right words. Yeah. It was a major life, life changer. Okay. Can I ask some more detailed questions there? We'll make it take, maybe take a quick tangent. Please. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've recently been exploring this as, as I feel like we're having this awakening in the United States in particular to how plant medicine, and also because there's so much work, Tim Ferriss and many others that are, that are working on legislation around legalizing this medicine that has been heretofore characterized as a drug. So I'm really curious when someone mentions that they've uh, gone on these journeys, I had Jonathan Budd on and he talked about uh, his journey. I had um, Boaz Soifer from Baywall and he talked about how plant medicine has helped him. So I'm, I'm always going to pause here. I want to, I want to better understand it. When you went through the ceremonies, and I'm not asking for you to share like divulge deep secrets or anything, but do you feel like it was something that in the moment, instantaneously, you had this rift in your consciousness and you like started to think differently or did it come in waves? Within the ayahuasca experience. So the experience starts out with a very visual, epically visual And it's more than just visual. It's a sensory experience that includes all the senses kind of mingled in where you can't necessarily tell the difference between like I was seeing the song, for instance. Yeah. (laughs) How do you see a song? Well, I could see the song very clearly. Right. So it goes that. But then within the experience, what I experienced was when I was trying to hold back from going somewhere it would be pain and crying and sometimes puking and Uh things like that. But as soon as somehow the ayahuasca helped, the magic of this medicine helped to go into something deeply enough where I released it. And then the pain was instantly gone. I can only imagine that you're referring to the something being a past trauma or past experience we don't necessarily need to get into those, but thank you for clarifying that. So it's global financial crisis, 2008. You've gone down with your now sort of with your wealth, with your riches that you've manifest through this mortgage company. You are building sort of the next thing as you're developing in uh, in Central America. I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Guatemala in 2002 to 2005. So I'm very familiar with kind of the relative time period and and the level of development. Most would look at Costa Rica now and, and see a totally different uh, place than what you and I knew in the early aughts. But the experience wasn't as fruitful as you had anticipated. You go into this medicine journey. Well, first of all, was, was the idea to take an ayahuasca journey prompted by something outside or was it something that you felt called to? Well, pain was the motivator and it was called to me through that pain as a solution and it worked. Somebody somebody said, you should think about doing this kind of a, okay, yeah. Like, yeah. That's what I meant. Was it suggested to you by a friend or or someone you had met or was it something that you had like found online and, and went, because I've, I've met folks that have done, kind of done both. When I heard about it, I knew it was right. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. How did, how did that experience, not just the liberation from these past traumas and, and the pain or, or maybe your attachments. Um, how did that set you on the path that you're presently on? It cleared away some of the erroneous thoughts and some of my need to control situations. Mm. It completely cleared that away. I guess my foundation of everything now is faith yeah. is and not from a religious perspective, but from a very spiritual perspective that we're more than this. And that fear is the biggest poison of all poisons. Yeah. And ayahuasca helped me completely rid myself of fear because it it showed me the connection between myself and everything that is. And there's no losing that connection. There's only forgetting that connection. Mm, That's beautiful. Okay. 
for fear that I might be losing some of the audience who came to learn more about the clean energy revolution. Uh, I want to reassure everyone that we, what we're talking about here is we're all on the same journey and we are all trying to figure out if we're doing this right. We're all trying to figure out if my career is going the direction I thought it would when I was 18, if my family is as blissful as I had hoped when I put that ring on my finger, if this business that I set out and I raised all this gobsmacked money is actually going to return an, uh, something that looks like a, an ROI to my investors and liberate me from the oppressive situation I've locked myself in. I've talked to you all. I know how you feel. Um, and, I'm, and I'm aware of the ones who on the outside, the world would look at your business and think, God, it must be amazing to be you. And you couldn't want anything more than to be liberated from the situation you've, you've found yourself in. So to all of you, I, I encourage you to keep listening because Jim and I have been there and we want to help you think through the things that are locked away in the back of your head, the things that you aren't talking to anybody about. And we have some very clear, actionable steps forward yeah. that are that I think you'll recognize as as real. Were you in Costa Rica when you started thinking about regenerative capitalism and off grid living? Yes, I was uh, had been thinking about that for quite a while. I started a foundation called the Wisdom Foundation back when I was 32, I guess. And that was about freeing the mind. Mm -hmm. And so it was all the same general thing, but it got really specific here. The, yeah. the, the more, the further I go, it gets more specific every day, actually. Okay. Tell me more about uh, what regenerative capitalism means. Cause we've, I've dropped that term a couple of times here. I want to make sure that folks uh, get the satisfaction of understanding it. Capitalism is in our world today said to be the problem. And what is truly the problem is when governments get involved and start subsidizing things and taking things out of what I call the voluntary exchange of value, right? There's voluntary and then there's the other exchange of value, which is by force, coercion and violence, right? So regenerative capitalism has no piece of the puzzle that is destructive or violent. And that's what I mean by regenerative capitalism. How does decentralizing our food supply, and we won't go into the long history of how our food supply has become centralized, but how does decentralizing it allow us to recapture a sense of freedom, purpose, personhood, um, community? So Victor Hugo said a long time ago, there's one thing stronger than all of the armies of the world, and that is an idea whose time has come. Mm -hmm. The idea, after all my 14 years of research and asking question after question, my joyful obsession is literally the Garden of Eden reality, mm. the reality where there's food growing everywhere and food that's raised and grown without poisons. That's the solution to all of the base. That's the foundation of freedom is having the ability to eat anytime you want. And to eat healthy food. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. for sure. We mentioned earlier that the name of your current enterprise is called Food Forest Abundance. What is a food forest? A food forest is a, a designed bunch. It's a forest designed by permaculture experts that actually produces an incredible yield according to whatever the customer or the community wants or can benefit from the most. So for instance, uh, a food forest in our backyard, we've got papayas and moringas and mangoes and bananas yeah. and lychee, you know, all that stuff. And we, it's layers of food. So a lot of people, when you think of a fruit tree, you just think of, okay, I've got a peach tree in my yard. Yeah. Great. Well, what if on that peach tree, you had a vine that went up the peach tree that produced guava or grapes. Yeah. What if on the ground you had layers of roots and tubers like sweet potatoes and potatoes and yucca and all these? And then it's a, it's a whole stack like you see in the jungle. Yeah. And people say, well, how do you maintain a food forest? And you say, well, how do you maintain the jungle? Mm. Nature does it. How do you begin a food forest in a place like St. Louis or in Minnesota where the, the temperature and and soil is quite different from Florida or Costa Rica. 
my buddy and dear friend Chad Johnson has a food forest uh, near the tip of Lake Superior. He has 300 different species of edible and medicinal plants, and he has no fences. Now, I'm a fan of fences because I like turning them into food fences. Right. Permaculture. Um, or trellises. Right. But he's got 300. He has these things called ras barriers to protect a lot of his That's food great. that he doesn't want the deer to eat. Mm-hmm. It's like eight foot and six feet. You can't even see through these things, and no deer is going to walk through those thorns. Right. And it is magic. It's like, it's It's truly magic it's expansive on its own because the animals come into the system they eat the food they go out and they defecate and they spread seeds so his food forest if it was left to its own would just it would cover the world in in hundreds or thousands of years that's beautiful it's a designed forest that mimics natural systems and produces food how then does it is it designed to allow us to cohabitate and maximize the yield for those that are planting it. So let's take a suburban backyard. Somebody's got a tenth of an acre. In fact, near my house at, at Galt's Landing, we had, we had 700 feet on the ground and we planted 55 different plants, including a bunch of different fruit trees and, and the whole stack. So this 700 square foot food forest by the way, it has been literally unkept. We have let it completely go for 14 months and it's thriving. Now, it can also be designed to be landscaping. Mm. So now you just turn your ornamental landscaping into functional ornamental landscaping that also provides food and medicine and butterflies and bees and birds. So it's, it's, it's a no brainer. Our company, Food Forest Abundance, in an effort to scale this globally, we have a 20 person, now I guess a 22 person design team. We design these food forests to work in every zone. We have food forests going on mountaintops in California, resorts in Thailand, residents in Poland. We're literally opening up New Zealand and all these different countries with a business model called our Food Forest Cooperative. And this cooperative, our mission is to serve the cooperative, to help the cooperative who might not know anything about gardening, create a business around helping people grow food. Well, that's fascinating. I I can think of, I'm here in Durham, North Carolina, where there are a lot of folks, uh, especially in their 20s and 30s, who want to leave their current role and and go back to the land. And, uh, you know, 20 minutes north is this place called Bahama, 30 minutes north that you know, you can buy land for a lot cheaper than you can in Durham. That sounds like a place where, where this would work. As a business, you said the business model is a cooperative. You know, my first question to you was like, hey, is this a multi-level marketing thing? Like, how, how are you planning to proliferate this idea as a global model? So we are past the planning stages. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just opened up our 15th country. We've had about nine or 10 cooperatives join us just in the last two weeks. Wow. And in the world of like in the world of franchise, in fact, there's a relevant story. I actually spent about a quarter million dollars getting the franchise piece ready. Mm-hmm. The 244 page FDD, the 89 page operations manual. Wow. And when I held them in my hand, they made me sick. Ooh, back to and that feeling. I threw them in the trash. Okay. Yes, they didn't fit in my, what were- It was like standing in that first mortgage company office. Yes. (laughs) If our goal is decentralization, everything in my hand was centralization. Right, and control. (laughs) Exactly. We have no NDAs, no non-competes, no patents, none of that. We want our- And like a two-page agreement, right? Yeah. And our business aligns with, we have to help people grow food now. The food supply chain is in trouble and our solution, which is, by the way, been proven by the giants for generations, even hundreds and thousands of years. Our solution just needs to be brought to the light. And that's what our job is yeah. at Food Force Abundance is help to people to be self-reliant and grow food. In the essence of time, and there's a, a few other things I want to actually ask you around how this works. Probably somebody here is going to say, okay, great. Like, how does that actually work? If I want to start a cooperative in my area, how do, how do you get started and what do you get for, you know, whatever this upfront fee might be? So we actually, we're going to be a $30,000 fee. We reduced it by a zero. It's now 2,950 bucks. And that includes our full marketing package and it includes us. 
and everything that we bring to the table to support the person starting the business, the design team, the just phenomenal people who've wrapped their lives around helping people grow food and designing this type of system. So call us at foodforestabundance.com or email us and we can definitely get you going right away if you'd like. What I understand is it's kind of a marketing package and there's got to be a revenue or a gross sales component that's a contribution back to you that is sort of like a franchise model. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is. Because there's a lot of the franchise model that makes sense. That's why it's there. I just don't like the control grid of it. Okay. And that's what makes it a cooperative is because if I wanted to start a food forest in Durham, I could pay this $3,000 and I have control over with your team's input, what it looks like for my town. Yeah. And we don't micromanage. It's your business. Okay. We help support in the marketing and the design efforts and getting the word out, which is, it's really neat what's happening with that regard. I love it. And for those who listened to either John Budd or Matt Britt's uh, episode, you'll understand why at first I thought this was multi-level marketing because that's how both of those fellows made uh, a boatload of money in their early careers. And I know that Matt was super excited when he heard about this opportunity. So that was my first thought. I was like, okay, let's figure out how this is going to proliferate. More than one person is going, wait, when are you going to talk about solar and eco? <laughs> So we are about decentralized food, water, and energy, mm. food being our go-to-market strategy yeah. and the strategy that now, in fact, we just finished a pilot um, in Texas where, and this is nuts, two of my favorite TV shows out of all of them, the producer from The Crocodile Hunter called me up and said, Jim, we want to shine on a, line, a light on you wow. and your vision for the world. Big deal. The primary actor of my other favorite TV show back 15 years ago calls me up in the exact same two day period and says, I want a food forest and we want to put it on film. So we combined the two and we just finished a pilot that is going to be seen by millions. And along with everything else we're doing, it really is the ideal as time has come. That's really super cool. How does solar factor in? Uh, you guys have an off grid community there in Florida. Is that part of how this is all meant to work? It's a big part of it. Galt's Landing in Central Florida is our demonstration site. We're building a studio. We're bringing in all solar. And we don't, by the way, have, we're still looking for the solar supplier mm. in that community. So if you are a solar Maybe supplier. <laughs> Maybe we can help you with that's that. That's so cool. Yes, because everything, there's no grid in our community. And it's luxury homes on a private 430-acre lake. We've got the only dock. And we've got a runway to our east where people can park their planes in their garages. So to my knowledge, nothing like this, where there's tens of thousands of edible plants on the 52 acres, it's going to be pretty darn neat. That is really, really cool. I'm impressed with, uh, with the way that the uh, sort of the universe is conspiring to help you pull this all off, including the video, the film, and you know, people like Matt bringing you into my field of view. Are there any particular, as you think about the way that you, this has all come together, are there any particular tools from your mortgage days or maybe even from wrestling that you feel consistently come back, come back to mind for you and that you employ in building the business that you're building now? All of them. Like you mm. said, success leaves clues, right? This never give up. This always go forward. The law of attraction for me, studying that has been so profound because thoughts beget the next thought. Like yeah. if I'm thinking one thing, I'm not going to have a polar opposite thought the next, unless there's some kind of outward interaction. So, true. so to pay attention and to intend your thoughts in the way that they go towards your goals is another thing that's been very helpful for me in this whole vision. One of my coaches says, thoughts are things, beliefs make them so, and actions solidify belief. I'll let you think on that one, uh, dear listener, for a little while. Thoughts are things, beliefs make them so, and actions solidify belief. If you're a longtime solar uh, or suncast listener, you've probably heard me mention that before. Jim, I have to imagine that you have had the pleasure of being mentored by others as well. Are there any key lessons or takeaways from those mentors that, number one, have had an impact for you and that you also pass along to folks that you work with? Oh, I'm all about mentors. Every single day I'm listening to mentors share ideas. And every once in a while, one of those ideas is a major 
addition to what I've already learned. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I couldn't give enough credit to the mentors in, in the permaculture world. The people that have already proven exactly what I'm saying to be true. Yeah. This is the this this what, what I'm talking about will reverse mass extinction and deforestation. It'll solve world hunger, cancer, diabetes and heart disease trends. All of it. This is it. Jim, similarly, I think that you'd probably agree leaders are readers and readers are leaders. Are there books that have left an indelible mark on the way that you think about business building or life building? Yes, yes. Um, some of the ones you'd probably, like we talked about, Napoleon Hill. Also, there's one, Living with the Himalayan Masters by Swami Rama. Mm. I read that book two or three times. The Holographic Universe by Talbot blew my mind. Those are the ones that come to mind right now, yeah. along with the Tony Robbins and Dennis Waitley and Zig Ziglar yeah. and Jim Rohn and so on. Yeah, I made a note on uh, Dennis Waitley. I'll be looking that one up as well. Do you have a particular routine about your day, either the way that you wake up or go to bed that helps you sharpen this all? Yes. I wake up to a cold shower. I don't stay in a cold shower, but I wake up, I get that going. I walk out of bed like a zombie. I take a few deep breaths like Wim Hof style and then boom. And then I go and I get a super light coffee where it's just like one little scoop of coffee and I drink a lot of that hot water. That's the start of every day. Mm, super light coffee. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that at all. <laughs> I talk all a lot about cold showers. And as you will know, as a cold shower believer, there are periods where despite knowing what we should do and what is beneficial, we, we stray from it like meditation. My best friend just moments before we started this, this podcast said, are you taking cold showers? Cause I was saying to him, you know, I feel like I'm very time bankrupt right now. And he said, take cold showers, get up earlier, go to bed earlier. And, uh, you know, it's no mistake that an hour later you reinforce, two hours later, you reinforce that in, in this conversation. Yeah. So I'm, thank you for that. Grateful awesome. for that. Is there uh, similarly another uh, habit or consistent practice in your day that has given you leverage? Yes. Energy. Um, I did it my first three day water fast about two months ago and it changed my life. It literally the transference of understanding with regard to food, I'm still processing. I now can stop eating chips very thoughtfully where it's not effortful. It used to be effortful for me to put the bag away. Now I go, I don't want that. And that's a profound shift for me. I'm going to have to really dwell on that one. That's another one, right? So intermittent fasting. Uh, I'm a big Ben Greenfield fan, uh, but long before Ben Greenfield, I'm a Bible fan. And the fasting is one of the things that one of those principles that was introduced in, in the Bible scripture leans on it heavily as a, as a meditation and life altering practice. So thank you for that. I'm going to have to think I'm now thinking actively about what are the habits or practices that in my life have given me leverage that I have for whatever reason, namely stress, children, overwhelm left on the nightstand and, and not picked up again to, to re reintroduce into my, my habits. Thank you for that. That's really, really helpful. Jim, you mentioned it earlier, but so that folks can have it locked away, where can people best find or engage with you? Food forest abundance. And wherever you see our logo, where there's a tree shaking hands with a person, that's what we're about. We're about working with nature. So foodforestabundance.com is our website. And then our whole team can be accessed, including me. I love to talk to you, uh, to anybody about how to transition your yard into a food forest. Well, let's end today, as I always do, with what I call bold prediction. What one thing do you see happening, Jim, that maybe nobody else is tracking? What's in your crystal ball? My crystal ball is there's going to be a lot of people suffering as this transition happens. But my crystal ball going forward is that we are going to wake up. We are going to bust through this. Our spirits are going to be enlivened. Mm. We are going to start desiring again, desiring life again. And that in the future, maybe it's two years, five years, that we are going to have a world of such radical abundance and joy that we are not going to need lawyers. There's going to be no more lawyers. Well, I love that. <laughs> that is a fantastic way to, to wrap this, that the waking up and enlightenment to the abundance around us will result in an overall reduction in tort and friction 
between humanity. Jim, I love the way that you think about the world. I love the the fundamental opportunity that uh, developing food forests, especially in uh, our urban environments, can uplift and create abundance and create equity and help in the in the the commingling, the diversification of our society. Matt, Britt, thank you for bringing Jim and I together. Jim Gale is the CEO and founder of Food Forest Abundance. I'm so honored that you joined us here on Suncast. Oh, Nico, I'm so honored that you had me and thank you to you and all of your listeners. I I can't wait to chat with you more. I want to offer for those of you who get particularly excited about the opportunity that Jim Gale and Food Forest Abundance present and you want to dig deeper and learn more, perhaps take action for yourself and build a food forest of your own. Well, you can learn more and take the next steps by going to mysuncast.com forward slash food forest. That's food forest. Mysuncast.com forward slash food forest. Thanks to Jim and the Food Forest Abundance team for agreeing to put a special page together for our Suncast Solar Warriors if they are so inclined. Well, well, thank you for sticking around all the way to the end, Solar Warrior. That's a wrap on today's conversation, but by no means is it the end of our discussion. I hope that you are enjoying your time as we wrap 2021. I want to wish you a happy new year as I might not get a chance to speak to you again before. Then if it's already 2022, well, you're a little behind on the episodes and that's fine too. Thank you for tuning in nonetheless. I hope that you are rocking it in 2022 or uh, getting ready to. I hope that you'll spend some time putting your dreams and goals down in writing as Jim suggested in this episode. I would like to invite you to join me in social media. LinkedIn is where I'm most often found And if you're eager to keep learning, well, you, my fellow Philomath, can find resources and highlights from this discussion along with every other discussion on Suncast and the social media links to my profile on LinkedIn, Jim's profile on LinkedIn, book recommendations, and so much more over at mysuncast.com by clicking on the show notes button. That will take you to the blog where you can see every episode and all the content pertinent to that episode as well as this one. Since you're going to be online, I'd love if you would share your thoughts on this episode or share the episode itself with someone else that you think would benefit from the deep conversation that Jim and I had today. Did it mean anything to you? Are are you in that period of life where you're questioning how to take the next step? Maybe you've just experienced a failure. Maybe you're considering an ayahuasca journey. I'd like to hear more about that. You can direct message or just chat with me online. You can also reach out directly, Nico at mysuncast.com. And hey, if you're looking for a way to take your business or your personal growth to the next level, well, you can click on work with Nico at mysuncast.com, fill out the coaching application. Let's set up a 15 minute clarity call. I've had some really amazing conversations recently, and I'm really excited with, uh, with the new, the new folks joining our coaching program, as well as our mastermind programs. So if that seems interesting to you, book a call. Let's chat. What can it hurt? Plus we get to connect and know one another better. Hope you'll join us here again next week where on Tuesdays we get practical and tactical. We look at tools to take your career to the next level. And on Thursdays, we always, as today, dive into another entrepreneur's journey in the clean energy revolution. Thanks once again to our sponsors who help make sure that this content stays free to you. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. And that's also where you can learn how to partner with us to reach thousands of solar warriors and clean tech champions twice a week, just like this. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, solar warrior. It's half the battle.